How you guys doing today? Come on, you glad you came to church so far? Man, I love, love getting to worship with our church. So great to see all of you here today. And those of you who are joining us online, as well as at our Austin P State University campus, we want to give a big shout out to you guys. Thank you for serving through the summer months over there. This is a great time for you. And we're so thankful for our online campus. And everybody joining us here at our Rossview Road location at LifePoint, can we say welcome to our guests today? Come on, we're so glad you're here. <clears throat> Hey, if this is your first time with us, we want to say a big welcome to you. My name is Mike Burnett. My wife, Stephanie, and I are so honored to serve as pastors here along with an amazing team, and we're so thankful that we get to serve you today. And uh, if you would take a moment, fill out that connection card in the seat back in front of you or scan the QR code at any of our locations as well as this one, that is a great landing page for everything to do with our, our church, next steps, what, what's going on ahead of us. And so we'd love to connect with you as well. Hey, tomorrow's Memorial Day. Along with our entire nation, we honor... And uh, we, we, we hold it dear. We honor the thousands of military members who have died while serving in the armed forces. Jesus said, there is no greater love that anyone shows than he would lay down his life for another. And I'm telling you, those that have done the ultimate sacrifice for our nation, we honor them today and this weekend and all the time, actually. We're an army church, we're a military town and a military community. So we always think that that's important. Additionally, we love and support our Gold Star families. Those are the families that are connected to and have lost someone in combat. We've got numerous Gold Star families in our church, just under 200 Gold Star families here in Clarksville. And I just wanna tell you as a pastor of this church, we stand with you, we pray for you, we support you, we love you, and we'd be honored to serve you even more. In fact, uh, this past week, your giving helped provide a new monument on Fort Campbell. It's the Gold Star Memorial. I have a couple pictures I wanna show you. And thank you for your generosity to provide this on Fort Campbell. <clears throat> it took a couple years, it took a couple years for this project to finally come together. But uh, we, we wanna say thanks for your giving. You, you were a part of the, the, uh, the, the generosity to provide this as, long, as well as with other organizations, F&M Bank, um, the, uh, the Maynard family and many others and the leadership of our friend, Charlie Kuhn, who's a part of our church here, uh, put this together. And honestly, there are two military installations in the country that have one of these memorials now and Fort Campbell is one of them and your generosity helped make that happen. So thank you again. And we are honored. I'm so excited that it happened at Memorial Day, right before Memorial Day. So thank you for your giving and being a church who honors our military, our soldiers, our veterans and our fallen heroes. Uh, please be in, in remembrance of that and prayer for our Gold Star families this week. Uh, every week I wanna say thank you for being a generous church as well, not only for things like that, but we are doing a lot together. Pastor Dino said last week, we're able to do more together than individually and your generosity is definitely one of the ways that we're able to make an impact, not only through our church, but beyond. We're a church that believes in tithing and bringing offerings through our church. We give to God that way. And so we give out of obedience to God and to his word. And we also give because we know we can do more for God through our generosity. This week. Um, whether you give online through our app, however you wanna do it, I, I just wanna say thank you. And let me tell you where some of your giving is going. Of course, we always pay our bills on time as a church. Come on, somebody say amen. Yep, we've never been late ever, so that's great to know. Um, but we have two teams, actually three that are on short-term missions. One, we have uh, Manny and his team in Jamaica. Manny is on, they're in Jamaica this week. And we love uh, our Jamaican family down there. And we, we wanna see more uh, people that are heading to Jamaica. How many of you know it's always hard to suffer near a beach? Come on, somebody. 
Manny's actually from Jamaica, Kingston, and so we love getting to serve with him and, and his family there. Also, we have two teams leaving this week to Mexico. Our missions pastor, Pastor Mike Campbell, is leading a team right now to Chapala, Mexico, and they are working in uh, La Ola Orphanage, working with little kids that have no parents. And we've got five adults that are there serving them this week, loving on them, caring for them, and your generosity helps send them on that trip. Also, our student pastor, Pastor Jeray, and our outreach director, Meg Pritchett, they are co-leading a team of 25 of our students who are headed out Tuesday to Tecate, Mexico, and your giving is helping make that happen as well. My wife and our two oldest daughters are gonna be on that trip as well. They are gonna be building homes for a couple of families. These are very quaint homes, but they will be completely built and paid for by you guys. In fact, let me show you a couple of photos of, this is the footprint of two of the homes left and right side by side that we're gonna be building this next week with our students. And uh, your giving is not only helping the building, but then our legacy team, those are folks in our church that feel like a, a real gift of generosity and gift of giving. They're gonna fully furnish these houses. And so thank you, LifePoint Church, for that. And, and I want you to meet one of the little girls that's gonna be moving into one of these houses. Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad to provide a home for this young lady? Thank you for that. Specifically, we love missions here and we wanna grow in missions and sending short teams. And some of you, I'm praying that God would call you to the mission field forever or to ministry. Uh, listen, I think it'd be great for every person in our church to participate someday in a short-term ministry and mission trip. You can serve with one of our partners locally in Clarksville, throughout the US or any of our partners around the world. All of our trips that we currently have available are listed on our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We've got a medical mission trip being planned. We've got building trips, we've got evangelism trips, and we want to see everyone in our church connect, not just generously, but give a week of your time. Take your family, it'll change your family forever. Specifically, I want you to hear from our longest supported missionary. I became pastor here in the summer of 2010, and we were so far behind financially, we had to cut off all missionaries. We couldn't support any missionaries. We couldn't even pay our bills here. And in, at Christmas of that year, uh, we brought a friend of mine named Scott and his wife uh, and their family. From, they were living in Memphis, raising money to go to the Middle East. And uh, they became our first missionary. We surprised them the Sunday after Christmas with a bunch of Christmas presents for them and their little one-year-old daughter, as well as uh, an offering. And they became our first monthly supported missionary. Well, 12 years later, they're still on the mission field. They've bounced around the Middle East and uh, he was here. I actually thought it was appropriate for the text that I'm preaching today out of Acts 16, where the apostle Paul is doing ministry in Turkey, cities like Derby, Lystra, and Iconium. Well, our missionary Scott and his family, they're still in that part of the world doing ministry and they just wanted to send a quick video to say, thank you, LifePoint Church, for your giving. Check this out. Hi, I'm Scott, and my family and I are your first supported missionaries. We were first here with you back in 2010, and you've been supporting us ever since then, and we just wanna say thank you. Thank you for partnering with us to reach people who have never had access to the gospel. first sent us out, we were on our way to the nation of Kazakhstan. Soon after that, we ended up in Kyrgyzstan. And for the last six years, we've been serving in the nation of Turkey, where we are preparing to go back to just in about four weeks. And we just want to take this chance to say thank you, because what you are doing, you're giving, your prayers, it's making a difference. We're seeing a harvest amongst the people whom have virtually no access to the gospel. 
our city, what was where Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians, right now you have to shake hands with 20,000 people to find one Christian. Try to imagine what that would mean for your community. But because of churches like you, people like you who faithfully give, who faithfully pray, God is moving, God is doing things, and we are seeing a harvest, and we believe we are beginning to see a movement of churches being born, planting other churches, and an entire nation, an entire people being reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you for your partnership. Thank you for your prayers, LifePoint. We love you. God bless. Praise the Lord. If you're, if you're new at our church, you may not know this, but we give at least 10% of the income of this church away to missions partners, church planters. Last year, we were able to give almost 20% of the income of this church, your tithing and offerings. And uh, we always wanna keep an open hand and open books and records about where all that goes. So if you ever wanna know, please feel free to ask. But we have about, uh, I don't know, 150, 200 missions partners around the world that you're supporting. And so thank you, Scott is the first one, he and his wife that we ever supported here. So I'm so excited. It's a great segue into our text for today. We're continuing in our Book of Acts series with a message I've titled, Building Others, Reaching Others. Building Others, Reaching Others. I wanna encourage you to always bring a notebook and a Bible to church. Go ahead and take notes here on this message. I'm gonna give you a lot today, but uh, I, I want you to know that we are a church that believes in building others up. Can I hear an amen, somebody? We believe in reaching others for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If Christianity is only for you to go to heaven, then you're not really obeying Jesus. Now, I'm gonna say some hard things today uh, because I love you and I'm your pastor and I care about you. Um, it's not just true for me as a pastor to reach people and build others up and make disciples, but it's true for every person who's a Christian. Everyone who has said yes to serving Jesus, we have a mandate from Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Master, to build others up, to make disciples, to develop them, to teach them the word of God, to teach them how to follow Christ, to reach people with the message of the gospel. Did you hear the statistic that Scott shared in his video about Turkey? He said, you'd have to shake 20,000 hands to meet one Christian. In Clarksville, Montgomery County's right at 200,000 people. That would mean that in Clarksville, there would be 10 Christians in our population. That is incredibly difficult. Can you imagine how tough it is? But if, if it weren't for the church reaching out and saying, the, sharing the gospel with people around the world, we're told by Jesus in the Great Commission to go into all the world as the church, go into every nation, every tongue, every tribe, and make disciples, developing them and teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe the scripture and the teachings of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna say this to you as a pastor because I love you, I don't care what your job is. It doesn't matter your station in life, your background, your marital status, you're single or married, married again, single again, divorced, I don't care. It doesn't matter your income level, your race, your age, or how long you've been a Christian. Listen to me. If you have said yes to Jesus Christ as the savior of your life and the Lord of your life, then you are commissioned by Jesus to build others and to reach others. You don't get a pass because you're uncomfortable talking in front of people. You don't get a pass because you don't know enough Bible. I don't know enough Bible. And you guys are suckered into hearing me every week preach. <laughs> you don't get a pass. And it's not just the assignment of pastors and ministry people to develop and disciple and to reach people. It's the assignment of the church of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us, listen, this is a strong warning for us. We will stand before God one day and we will give an account for our lives before him. Now listen, you can't stand before God one day and go, I went to LifePoint 
and that church reached a lot of people, God's gonna ask you, I believe there's two questions at judgment. The first, every human in the world will get, what'd you do with Jesus Christ? And for those who said yes to Jesus, I accepted him as Lord and Savior, there's a follow-up question. Well, then what'd you do with your life for Jesus Christ? What'd you do with Jesus? And then what'd you do for Jesus? Did we receive him as Lord and did we serve him in his assignment with faithfulness? I don't know about you, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, praise the Lord. But there's a day that I wanna hear God say two things to me. You are my beloved son and well done, good and faithful servant. That's not because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm a Christian. I understand the assignment of God on, my, on the life of a Christian. Before I was ever a pastor, before I was ever on staff at a church, I was developing people. I was leading small groups. I was discipling lost people and inviting them to know Jesus. It's the assignment of a Christian to make a big difference for the gospel. So as we continue in the book of Acts, we're in chapter 16, and here's why I love showing that video of Scott. It was so providential, he was in town and able to do that video for us. The apostle Paul is going into Turkey on his first ministry trip to Turkey. Scott is going back to Turkey. We're still doing church planting and missionary work in Turkey. It started right here in Acts 16, and it's still going on in 2022. Come on, somebody. Aren't you excited to be a part of what God is still doing in the earth? The Apostle Paul is heading into Turkey to preach and minister and to start churches. We're introduced to a young man who will become a spiritual son to Paul, a young man named Timothy. Now, if you don't know this about me, I get really fired up about preaching God's word and about reaching people for Jesus. So if you wonder why is he yelling so much, saddle up. <laughs> and I do have one of my favorite jokes I've ever written today. You'll know when it happens. <laughs> but we're introduced in this text to a young man who would become a spiritual son to Paul, a young man named Timothy. Timothy would become a church planter. He'd become a pastor. He would become a young pastor who Paul wrote two of his letters, first and second Timothy. So as we pick up in Acts 16, as we talk about building and developing people, I want you to first know that we as a church and we as Christians, not just LifePoint Church, but because we're Christians, we develop and we disciple people. Hello, just because you're a Christian, you're not a Christian to run a program. You're, you're a Christian to reach people. I love the, the ministry of YWAM, Youth with a Mission. We have one of their missionaries with us today and, and a missionary that we support in Africa. Their, their mission statement is to know God and make him known. If you know Jesus, you need to help other people know Jesus, right? And we believe as part of the body of Christ, we develop and we disciple people. So watch what happens to the Apostle Paul. We know that he's been traveling. He's been doing missions, work, and, and planting churches. And now we have a, a, a new friend of his. In Acts chapter 16, verse 1, it said, Paul came also to Derbe and Lystra. These are cities in Turkey. And there was a disciple there named Timothy. This is the first time we see Timothy. He was the son of of a Jewish woman who was a believer. I put the parentheses there, your Bible may not have it. He was the son of a Jewish woman who she was a believer. So, so Timothy is the son of a Christian woman who grew up in the Jewish faith. But his father was a Greek. Hey, I want you to see, Timothy was the product of a biracial, bi-religious family. A Jew and a Greek got married, had a son named Timothy. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Now, here's what I think is really cool, first of all. I want you to see in the text, because of our missionary that you're supporting, Scott, but Paul began his ministry in Derby, Lystra, and Iconium. These are all cities that Scott and his team and other missionaries they're close to are still active in. I love that God doesn't just go drop it and run out. God is staying in a place 
for thousands of years. How many of you know God is still doing a work there? I just think that's really cool and amazing. By the way, we wanna be a church that sees more missionaries and more pastors and more people called to ministry from our church, church planners, theologians. I pray for you. And listen, I'm starting to pray this more that, that people in our church will sense an assignment from God to maybe leave another job, leave another career path and do great works for God. I was gonna be in a whole different field when I came into ministry. Many of our staff were working in other fields when they came into ministry. And I'm praying that over you guys. God may have you quit. Some of you are like, well, I hate my job anyway, so I'll be glad to work for Jesus. I'm praying for that for you. And I do believe every, I would love to see every person in our, our church participate in some kind of short-term or long-term missions trip with us. And I promise you, we'll, we'll set up trips for you. We'll send you, we'll, it, it'd be great. It'll change you, it'll change your family. But watch what happens next. Verse three says, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And this is really interesting. We develop people, we disciple people. We, we, we develop and we disciple. The apostle Paul was a really wise leader. But you gotta think of who he was. He's at the top of the leadership pyramid. He's the apostle, Paul, planting churches. He's leading the way. He's, he's winning theological debates in Jerusalem against the, the founding brothers of the church, Peter and James and John. He's the apostle Paul. He's at the top of his game, and yet he still takes time to bring someone along that he may develop them. Can I tell you, no matter how high you get in your leadership, you might be the commanding general of Fort Campbell. We develop people. Look for folks, look for people who we can pour our lives into and give our lives away to. Listen, the Apostle Paul is such a wise leader. He almost always traveled with somebody. If you remember, we've been watching who's been his main travel buddy so far in the book of Acts. Barnabas, right, his encouraging friend. And then he and Barnabas got in a fight. Remember I preached this a couple weeks ago. They had a disagreement because Barnabas said, hey, let's bring John, Mark. And Paul said, I hate John Mark, he's a dirtbag. And so Paul went traveling with Silas instead. So they had a breakup and they still got to do ministry. So Paul was really wise because he always traveled with somebody. Let me just tell you, as your pastor, I get the opportunity to travel a few times a year and I never travel alone. My favorite travel buddy is my wife or one of my children. Uh, but after that, if, if they can't come with me, I always have a travel companion from our team with me for a reason. And there's wisdom there. Look, it was great for accountability. One of the reasons I think Paul led a scandal-free ministry is he always had a companion with him. Paul also rode with somebody for safety. How many of you know you gotta have somebody have you six? Come on. <laughs> Timothy rolling deep with swords and knives, I'm sure. And Paul always had companionship. How many of you know it's great to do Christian life with a friend? Like somebody to laugh and tell jokes with and, and, and just hang out with and enjoy their company. This is, by the way, why we think every one of you needs to be in a small group. I don't care how big your small group is, it, it is if it's you and one other person, that's the smallest small group. You gotta be in life with somebody else. This is super important for you. But he was also, not only was he traveling with people for the sake of wisdom, accountability, safety, and companionship, Paul was really smart in developing younger ministers. Paul probably had this attitude, I'm not gonna run this race forever. I'm gonna give up one day. I'm gonna leave and go to heaven one day. So he's finding young ministers. He was an apostle, top of the leadership structure, but constantly looking to develop and disciple others. He actually had many sons in the faith, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and others. But this is where we see his connection to Timothy. In another letter, we see that Paul actually knew Timothy's parents, particularly his mom. So there was a connection there, a longer lasting connection, but Paul was a developer. 
and a discipler of people. This is part of the Christian assignment. Listen, this is part of our assignment as Christians. He pastored and poured into all these churches. He wrote letters, he preached sermons, he was a tent maker, he had a job, he was busy. But he was never too busy to develop somebody else. Some of us make excuses. I can't serve on a dream team because Sunday's my only day where I'm not doing something. Why don't you change your schedule so that you can be busy doing something for God? Some of us say, well, I don't have time to develop or disciple or go to a small group because, man, my life is so busy. Can I tell you something? Busyness is not a spiritual gift and it's not a badge of you being awesome. It means you aren't balanced in your life and you need to have time to invest in your kids, in your spouse, in a neighbor, not just for their baseball swing, but in their love for Jesus. It's part of the Christian witness and the Christian ethic that we disciple people. Please don't just develop your kids to be athletes, but not be on fire for Jesus. Please don't just develop yourself to be a a profound employee of a company someday and never develop yourself as a great disciple maker. It's part of our witness as as Christian people, as Christ followers. He pastored, started churches, did all these things, but he took time to take people on the journey with him. I love how Paul saw Timothy as a son and called out some things in him. Could you imagine being Timothy? And somebody goes, hey, when when were you called to ministry? He's like, the apostle Paul came to my house and scooped me up and brought me in a wagon and I just rode deep with him for years. What an amazing testimony. Honestly, that's sort of, not to the scale, what happened to me. I was a young Christian attending Bible college at the University of Tennessee. Whenever I hang out with pastors, they're like, where'd you go to Bible college? I go to the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, where Jesus went to school. They tip their heads, they don't get the joke. I'm like, well, I read my Bible a lot and I was right in the middle of worldliness, but it was great. I was a young Christian, I was attending UT. I was a music student getting a vocal performance degree. I was gonna be an opera singer. I'm engaged to Stephanie, who's a piano major. Seems like a match made in a practice room. Come on, somebody. And we were busy serving in our local church. We loved Jesus, loved the word of God, but I was planning to be a musician. Our plan was to get married, continue our music education as master's degree musicians, and then travel and perform. Get on the circuit as an opera singer, her as a pianist. But we were attending a church in Knoxville where my pastor, Pastor Barry Culberson, he saw some things in me that I didn't see. He saw some things in us as a couple that we didn't see in ourselves. We loved the church, we were Christians, we were bought in, sold out to the Lord. But he says, man, how would you like to come on our team as a music director? Are you gonna pay me to come to church? This is great, I'll come. And then about six months into that, he said, God really put on my heart that you're gonna become an influential pastor in our nation one day. Like, how am I gonna do that singing in Italian opera? That is crazy. (laughs) But he saw some things in me and listen, and he said what he saw in me. And then he gave me an on-ramp to teach me and develop. I said, I don't know how to do ministry. I've never written a sermon. I've never read theology books. He says, good, I have nothing to untrain and I'll teach you. Aren't you thankful Pastor Barry Culberson saw something in your pastor? Because otherwise I'd be singing in Italy right now. Be wearing tights and makeup all the time. (laughs) But he saw some things in me and he said those things that he saw in Stephanie and me and he brought us on staff and he taught us and developed us and he didn't have to do that. I'm just so grateful for my Pastor Barry, Pastor Barry Culberson discipling and developing me to who God has called me to be. Let me just ask you this question. I mean. It it seems like a a subtle thing in this narrative, but I want you to notice Paul saw Timothy and said, you're coming with me. And there's a reason to develop him. Now, 
Who are you developing in your life? Who are you pouring your life into? Who have you given yourself to? So many of us are working so hard to build our lives, build our nest egg, build our future. How about you build somebody else's life? What about telling somebody else they can serve God and, and speaking life into them and pouring yourself into anybody else? Who are you discipling and teaching the word of God? You know, one of the greatest needs our culture has is to know Jesus. And you know who's called to tell our world about Jesus? You and me. It's part of the great commission of all Christians, maybe a classmate or a coworker. How about your children? Listen, tell your kids to turn their screens off and open their Bible and learn to know Jesus. And then tell them to turn their screens off again and again and again and again. Get them a flip phone, fight the good fight. And then the other side of this question is who's discipling and developing you? See, I'm a believer that we all need to be speaking into somebody, but we also need people speaking into us. Pastor Barry and I talked last week. We're gonna meet in two weeks because he's still a man who can speak into my life. He's so proud of this church, he feels like an apostle to LifePoint. Every time I ask him to come preach, he says, I ain't going over there to preach. I have a church, I preach in Knoxville but he still feels a right to speak into my life. I've got men like Hal Donaldson at Convoy. I've got my pastor, Chris Hodges. In, I got Pastor Dino speaking into my life. Who speaks into your life? And listen, if you're the only one speaking into your life, that's dangerous. If I'm the only one speaking into your life because you sit under a sermon, that's too thin. And if you're the only one speaking into your life and speaking back to yourself, that's crazy. Part of the commission of Jesus, that you are giving your life to others, making room in your heart to, to be a spiritual father or mother to someone else, and also making room in your heart for someone else to speak truth into you that way. Who can call you out? Who can hold you accountable? Who can lay hands on you and pray for you and your wife or you and your roommates or you and your kids, single mom? Come on, who, can, who has the right? Because we develop people, we disciple people as part of God's assignment in our lives. So I wanna challenge you, here's some practical ways to do that. Be involved in your church. Please don't just come to church and be a sitter and a listener. That is like the most boring way to be a part of a church. I go to church, I go every week, I show up when I want, I sit where I want, I talk to no one and I leave, but I like that guy up there. That's weak, that's thin, that's nothing, that's not engagement. Be a part of your church, join a team, get into a small group. You say, well, small groups are full of weirdos. They're not full yet, you're a weirdo, come fill it up. Build relationships, attend a small group, open your life, open your living room, pour out the gospel to somebody else. Come on, somebody. If you want more information about joining small groups or getting involved on teams, scan our QR code, meet us in the lobby at Austin P in the lobby at our Welcome Center at Rossview at the Big Red Wall. If you're online and you're saying, how can I do this? Type in the chat right now, say, how do I get involved? How do I take this next step? We develop people, we build people, we disciple people. Hey, Christians, that is your commission. Second thing from this text, and this is where it's gonna get a little weird. We make room for others to know God. We lower obstacles. We, we make it available for them to know Jesus. I'm gonna tell you, this text may seem weird, and I know we have this statement at LifePoint. We say, read your Bible and do what it says. This ain't one of them verses. Remember, Paul was in Turkey preaching and starting churches. And Paul brought a young man named Timothy, raised by a Jewish mom and a Greek dad. Now watch what happens in verse three. So it says in the previous verse, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. So he took him, now you gotta understand who these pronouns are talking about. He, Paul, took him, Timothy, and circumcised him. 
Just wait. Let me do the joke telling. You know it's coming. So Paul took Timothy and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those cities, Derba, Lystra, Iconium, for they all knew that Timothy's dad was a Greek. Now, this is a really interesting text, and there's a lot here I gotta unpack for you. First of all, the what in the world, and then the why. Timothy's parents were a biracial, bireligious, diverse couple. Now listen to this. His dad was Greek or a Gentile, which means they didn't do circumcision. His mom was Jewish. Now historically, a man or a woman is considered Jewish if their mother was Jewish. So Timothy by birth was Jewish, but the Jewish people in these cities would see him as a sort of Jew because his dad was Greek and because Timothy didn't have the sign of covenant of Judaism, which is circumcision. But Timothy had a Greek dad who when Timothy was born was like, you ain't doing that to my boy. I mean, just imagine like that Timothy's born and then mom's like, oh, shalom, shalom, you know, and dad's like, nope. We're not doing that. Sorry, it's weird. Not doing. I ain't, I ain't down with that. And some of you, that's that's the reality in your family. Like you have different values on how we love God, right? And this is one of the things why we want you in small groups. We want you coming to our our family conference in two weeks. Come on now, because we want to help bring some congruence to your marriage and to your family. But remember, Paul's ministry in every city he went into always started where in the Jewish synagogues, because Paul was a Pharisee. He was a strong Jew. He knew the Jewish law and the word super good. Well, Paul could always command an audience as a Jewish scholar and leader, but now he's bringing this young man along who he's wanting to hand off ministry to. Well, the challenge was the Jewish leaders of the synagogue weren't going to listen to Timothy because they saw him as a half-breed, a half-Jew, And you wonder, like I read this text and go, how would they even know? It's worth explaining. (laughs) At this time in cultural history, indoor plumbing was not a normal thing. Aqueducts, bathrooms, showers in your own house were abnormal. Public shower houses were normal. And they actually had them based on caste and class systems. And especially the Jewish leaders had maybe a bathhouse that they would use. And now Paul and his son in the faith, Timothy, are coming for their weekly or biweekly shower. And the men of the synagogue would know in that environment. I mean, that's the, look, it's as weird for me to talk about as probably you to hear, okay? But I'm just giving you a little bit of my doctoral study here. In fact, I have a picture. No, I'm just kidding. I don't don't, don't have that at all. (laughs) Just wait. So but they would know. And so can you imagine, like you've done teachings in the synagogue and all of a sudden it's like Tuesday afternoon and it's shower day for your part of the community. And they're like, wait a minute, you're not even one of us. I mean, and, and this was not a sexual thing. This is just a practical, religious, traditional thing. And they would know that he wasn't one of them. And then they would literally ostracize Timothy and go, we can't hear from you. You're, you're a half Jew, you're not even one of us. So why did Paul have Timothy circumcised? In fact, it doesn't even seem consistent with other writings and teachings of the Apostle Paul regarding circumcision. If you remember, multiple times in the book of Acts, the council in Acts 15, the letter to the Galatians, Paul is saying, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. But Timothy was already saved. And this was not about Timothy proving his salvation. Listen to me. It was about Timothy removing obstacles 
for their salvation. This circumcision of Timothy was not about him being right with God. It was about doing whatever he could to make sure they could become right with God. Because of the mission of God, because of the assignment on their lives, Timothy was not circumcised for his sake, he was circumcised for their sake. He took this opportunity to literally offer personal sacrifice so that others may hear the gospel and come to Jesus. This circumcision was so that they, the Jewish people in Turkey, and later the Jewish people in Greece where he would become a pastor, would come to respect Timothy and his leadership and his preaching and ultimately surrender to Jesus. This was a very specific event, only with Timothy. We don't see Paul doing this to every son in the faith or everybody that converts to faith but probably something God directed Paul and Timothy because he knew what he was gonna do through Timothy later. Listen, you may not understand when God requires something of you now, it may be for something that he wants to do in you later. I didn't ever, like for years I'd go, why, why God did you put me through a, a performance degree, a music performance degree? It's so that I could be a very comfortable public speaker is why. Not so I could sing opera for my kingdom, but it's so I could preach the gospel for his. And it took me years to realize the why behind what God called me to do. By the way, can you imagine that recruiting ministry? Like the Apostle Paul, hey man, Timothy, come on the road with me, it's gonna be great. We're gonna preach the God, they're like at dinner, breaking bread, I don't know, eating steak. That's weird, like timing is everything. Just drop your knife, Paul, when you tell him. And by the way, I'm gonna need you to get circumcised. <laughs> but here's what we gotta know. Timothy was totally willing to do it. Timothy was willing to do it. For the mission of God, he was willing to be circumcised. Circumcised. Hey, grown men. It's getting real uncomfortable in here, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but Timothy was willing to be circumcised so that other people could have access to the kingdom of God. Can I tell you, Jesus was willing to be brutalized so that people can have access to Jesus? Paul was willing to be imprisoned and beaten and snake bit and inconvenienced so that others can know the gospel of Jesus. I've heard about giving money to missions so people can hear. I've heard of people planting churches so people can hear the gospel. I've heard of selling off property or donating money or traveling around the world. I've heard of building Bible colleges with priority one or giving out food in orphanages or partnering with Convoy of Hope so that others can hear the gospel. It always costs us, the body of Christ, it always costs Christians to make sure others can hear the gospel. I'm grateful for a church that's willing to sacrificially give so the gospel can go forth, so teams can go to Mexico and Jamaica and Africa and Central America, so we can plant churches so people can hear the gospel. But I've yet to meet anyone who is willing to be circumcised so that others can hear the gospel. Talk about putting skin in the game. <laughs> Let's go, that's a good joke. That's a good joke. I worked really hard on that. I filtered that with my wife. Come on, that's a good joke. Some of you are already mad. You're like, I can't believe, just back off, all right? I'm just having fun. <laughs> that's pretty good, isn't it? That's not bad, that's not bad. Talk about putting skin in the game. Mm -mm -mm. <clears throat> Honestly, it was like an aha moment. I was with a couple pastor friends of mine, Pastor Wayne Francis, who we know, and a, another buddy, Jason Laird. And we were talking about our sermon for the weekend. We were having dinner Friday. And I go, yeah, I've got this message and da-da-da. And I go... Uh, I, I threw the joke out to them. We laughed so hard. I was like, I'm, I'm telling life, bro. I got to And I tell my wife, and she's like, don't tell them that. Don't. <laughs> but seriously, it is part of the Christian ethic that we would live sacrificially, 
that we would sacrifice our comforts. I think of our missionaries who are willing to go across the world, live in like with nothing, live below their means, live below their station or their capacity to reach one or two or three or five people for the gospel. I think of those who have sacrificed so much, our kids who have sacrificed and raised money and done the hard work to go on this trip for a week in Mexico. Listen, I think about as part of our Christian witness that we would live sacrificially. We'd sacrifice our comforts, our income, our time, our treasures, our talent, so that others can hear about Jesus. When's the last time it's cost you anything for people to hear about Christ? Maybe you give up an hour on your Sundays to serve people so they can come into a church and hear the gospel. When's the last time you gave up your ego or you gave up your reputation or you gave any money so that others can know Jesus? What has it cost you so that other people can know the gospel? It's an ethic of the Christian witness. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, this is out of the book of Acts, but, but he writes this to the church at Corinth. He says, even though I'm free from all of you, like I don't, I'm not your, I'm not, I don't work for you, you're not my boss. He goes, I'm free from all of you. I have made myself a servant to all of you so that I might win more of them. Paul's like, I, nobody's my boss. I'm, I'm a total loner. I, I do everything on my own. I follow my own beat of my own drum, but I will become a servant. A slave is the language that he uses actually. The word doulos, a bond servant, I'm at your request until you release me so that I might reach some. He goes on to say, to the Jewish people, I become like a Jew in order to win Jews. Now this is Paul, he grew up Jewish, so he's like, I lean into my Jewish heritage when I need to so that I can win Jewish people to Christ. He says to those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I'm not myself under the law. By the way, he's saying, I'm never gonna be bound by what you're bound to, but I'll still reach out to those of you who are bound so that I might win those under the law. He says to those outside of the law, the Gentiles, the non-believers, the, the, the pagans, he said, I become as one outside the law. Not being outside of the law, actually. He, he's clarifying, he goes, I'm never gonna become a pagan temple worshiping prostitute, you know, whatever, I'm not doing that. But I'm like them, I'm with them, I'm spending time with them so that I might win those outside of the law. To the weak, I become weak. People that don't understand what you understand. They don't have the full witness of the gospel. Rather than argue with and beat them down with what you know, he said, I just become like them so that I might win them. Hey church, we're in such a argumentative cancel culture right now. We don't know how to deal with anybody not like us. We just gotta defeat them and beat them and come down. How about you just be condescended to them? How about you humble yourselves so that you might be able to win somebody? What does it look like for you to go across the political aisle or racial aisle or gender aisle or socioeconomic aisle or, or values aisle and instead of fighting and killing and canceling people, you humble yourself to engage people so that you might win them. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all means, I might save somebody. This is a Christian witness. This is an ethic of Christianity. I don't care if you're black or white, Asian, Hispanic, poor, rich, male, female, gay, straight, I don't care. I'm gonna do whatever I can to come across into your space so that you can hear clearly, God loves you, he's for you. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, if you're from the North or the South, or the West Coast, all you refugees, we're glad you're here, you've come to be with us. <laughs> it doesn't matter though, if you're Canadian, Mexican, Iraqi, you're from Turkey, Djibouti, Africa, it doesn't matter. We will do everything we can for all people so that by all means, somebody might come to faith. Do you have that as an ethic in your life or is it inconvenient for you? Or are you unwilling to pay a price and for it to cost you anything? I'm not giving up 10% of my income for this church. Are you, who knows what that pastor's doing with that money? How about you just give us unto God? 
How about you give so that the mission of God go forth? I'm not coming an hour earlier. You can't, Sunday's my only day off. How about you serve as unto the God? I told you I'm gonna say some hard things, but it's because I love you. And for those of you that need it, like Timothy, we'll even, no, we're not. Go to your own doctor. Look what he says. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. I do it all. Paul went to prison multiple times. Three times he got beat the 39 lashes like Jesus took. Three times and survived. And you know what he said? I do it again. When Paul was arrested at Rome finally before he was killed, he looked at prison in Rome as an opportunity to witness to the guard. I'll go to prison because that guy needs to hear about Jesus too. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. Look what he says. I do it all for the sake of the gospel so that I, the apostle, the great preacher, the pastor who saved, gloriously saved, that I might share in their blessings. Paul's like, I wanna share in the blessings that lost people are gonna receive. They are gonna come into faith with God. They are gonna become part of the family and I get to be a part of that with them. He's not going, I'm doing it all so I can be around all the great preachers of the day. No, bless God. He's like, no, no, no. I give my life completely away so I can share in their blessing one day. Timothy, willing to be circumcised? Well, when you hang out with a guy who thinks like this, that's no big deal. What are you and I willing to do to make room for others to know God? What does it cost us to see God's kingdom advance? Have you become all things to all people that somebody may know Jesus? Have you given that way? Have you prayed that way? Would you go on a trip this year that way? Would you tell your coworker, your roommate, your classmate, your neighbor about Jesus? Will you work at all to relate to others where they are? Can we speak to people who are different than us? Instead of canceling them and arguing with them, can we humble ourselves to reach out to them and care for them so that we may by all means reach some of them? Timothy went through circumcision a physical surgery so that people can know God. I've never had to do that. What are you willing to do? Finally, as we see from Paul and Timothy, and we see as a church, we're not about building our kingdoms. It's ultimately about building the church. It's about building God's house. And let me tell you something. If you belong to Jesus, if you're a Christian, this is part of your life. This is part of your assignment. We wanna build God's church. Please don't just build your kingdom, your world, your everything. Like, let's build God's house. Look what it says, verse four. As they went on their way through the cities. So he's called Timothy, got him circumcised. And then as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to those people for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the decisions that had been reached by the elders who were in Jerusalem. In other words, as they went through all the cities, they're preaching the word that the elders and the disciples had been teaching. They're telling about Jesus. Acts 15, they had big decisions about who can be saved and who can't. And as they're going through the cities, they're just saying, here's what we've decided. And it points it all back to Jesus. I wanna draw your attention to the first part of this text though. As they went, as they went on their way, as they went on their way through the cities. I, what if you and I just had an as I go kind of an attitude? All of us are familiar with the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but that's really daunting. There's a lot of countries, and I don't have that many frequent flyer miles. Another translation of that says it like this. As you are going in this world, 
make disciples of everybody. Hey, as you're going, look at, like with Paul and Timothy, as they went, I think they normalized the mission of God as they went, as they went to restaurants, as they went to the bathhouse, as they went to a hotel, as they came into a new town. As they went, this was their all the world. It may feel like a big assignment. Listen, and for some of us, we're going, I can't go into all the world. I can't go to Mexico. I can't go to Africa. I can't go to Tanzania. I can't go to Djibouti. I can't go to Turkey. But you are going to work tomorrow. And you are going to a restaurant today. And you are going to Walmart this week and again this week and a third time this week. As you and I are going about our normal lives, as we are going to school, to work, to travel on public transportation, as we're marching in formation, as we're starting a new semester or parenting our kids, as we're single parenting our kids, as we're going through divorce, as we're embracing retirement, as we go to work, as we're taking vacation, as we go, bring the word of God to the world that you are a part of. Listen, we are the people of God. We belong to the church of God. We are building the church of God in his kingdom. And it doesn't have to just be when you go on a short-term missions trip for a week in the summer. It can be as you go on a short-term missions trip called going to work tomorrow. It doesn't have to be in Mexico or Turkey or Jamaica. It can be at Fort Campbell, an F&M bank, and at Target. We are ambassadors for Jesus as we go. Not just because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian. We're good neighbors. We're ambassadors. We're living the life we live as we go. Paul and Timothy made their daily life their mission field. And that's what I wanna challenge you with as I close. Paul and Timothy made their daily life their mission field. Will you and I be a church that builds people, that makes disciples, that reaches people far from God? You go, I don't know what to say. God will help you say what to say. I'm, not af- I'm afraid to talk to people. God will help you overcome your fear. Listen, pray with people as you go. Witness to people as you're going. I had lunch with a, pa- a good friend of mine this week. He's an uh, almost 80-year-old doctor, retired pediatrician. He's a legend in town amongst the medical community, Dr. Prime. And we have a, a lunch a few times a year. He's just a, a wiser, older man that speaks into my life. And he'll ask me how my family and my kids are doing and how the church is doing. He attends another church in town, but, but he's a safe place for me to spend time with and just be, in, be poured into by And as we're sitting there, he says, I have it on my heart. I'm going to witness to our server. And the third time our server comes to the table, he grabs him by the hand and he says, how's your family? And the guy was taken back. He says, what? He said, how's your family? He starts to unpack in his family and he says, do you have a church in town? He says, no, I work every Sunday. I work every week, every day of the week. And he says, I want to get you in church. And he goes to another church in town. He said, this young man pastors a great church out on Rossview Road. They have a 7.30 service. Everybody tells me they work on Sunday. I go, what time you start? They're like 10. I'm like, ah, ha, ha, ha. 7.30, suckers. <laughs> and then he said, I want to pray with you. And then he looks him right in the face and he says, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? As you go, I'm sitting over there eating salsa and chips, watching this exchange. I had lunch with another couple of young men this week that are in my small group that I lead. And our server came to the table and she was not interested when I asked her, how can we pray for you today? I said, well, hey, we're gonna pray over our meal. How can we pray for you? And she goes, oh, I, don't, I don't need your prayer. I don't wanna, no, thank you. And I said, well, we're gonna pray for you anyway. Thanks for everything. Then we're gonna give you a great tip. If you, so you can't pray for somebody and then be cheapskate. As you go, witness to people, invite people to know Jesus, invite them to any church in town. Good God, please don't think that they can't go to heaven if they don't go to LifePoint. 
There's a ton of churches, even the, even the weird ones. Man, there's, there's gonna be weirdos in heaven too. Some of you are like, I don't know, man, that, it's probably you. Um, lay hands on sick people as you go. Give generously as you go. Live sacrificially for the gospel. Develop and disciple people. Make it a normal part of your everyday. Do whatever you can to help others know the Lord. And look what happened at the end of this verse. And so the churches were strengthened in the faith. That's the result of Paul and Timothy just as they go telling the gospel, sacrificial living, Timothy willing to be circumcised that others could know the gospel. And as they went and they told the teachings of the elders, the churches were better. And look at this, and they increased in number daily. You know what that means? That means Derba, Lystra, Iconium, those people started giving their lives to Jesus. Heaven increased because they kept pushing the gospel. Church, I'm believing God for Life Point to grow, for First Baptist to grow, for Grace Community to grow. I'm believing God for Living Hope to grow, for Mosaic Church to grow, Faith Outreach to grow. I'm believing God for the Church of Jesus Christ to be strengthened and to grow because lost people are coming home to the Father, because we will be a church that builds others, that reaches others, that disciples others, and will do whatever it takes to be all things to all people so that by all means we might save somebody. And we will do it all the time as we go as a part of our normal lives. If you agree with that, would you say a big amen today? Come on, let's pray together. Hallelujah, Lord. Come on, in every location, I'm gonna close this in prayer and hand it off to your campus pastor before you leave. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true and alive and active. God, it's powerful. It's shaping us and changing us forever to the glory of God. And God, we ask today that the word of God would land on our hearts and change us forever. At every location online at Austin P. God, I pray that each of us would hear this word. And God, we would say, Lord, I'm all in. I wanna do whatever it takes to serve your kingdom, to win people to the gospel, to reach people for Jesus. And God, we're, we're willing. And Lord, for some of us, we've never prayed such a dangerous prayer before, but I pray that today would be the day that we make that, transi that transition, that we pray that prayer. Can everybody open their hands to the Lord and just pray this with me? Let me lead you as your pastor. Come on, trust me as I lead you in this prayer to the Lord. Say, God, I believe in Jesus. Say, I believe he died for me so I can live for him. I'm going to heaven. I'm a child of God. I confess my sin. I receive your forgiveness and your salvation in Jesus' name. Now, come on, pray this and mean it. Say, Lord, I'm all in on the mission of God. <laughs> say, God, use me however you want. Come on, say it again and mean it. Say, God, use me however you want. Spend my life at your pleasure so that I can, by all means, see people come to Jesus. I'm all yours, my schedule, my wallet, my budget, my life in your hands, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's celebrate and say amen. Amen.